Um, the topic is how you build emotional resilience within Torah. There is a big riddle in that. Because the way people perceive Torah, this is a, a, a gathering of obligations which you have. And obligations are, in a certain way, a big yoke. And you have to do things in a certain way. And that is like the opposite of emotional resilience. Emotional resilience is obviously based on that, that you feel good about yourself. And when you feel good about yourself, then you don't care exactly did you do the right thing or not. Only when you say you have to reach the end and when you, when you finish the work, then you feel good. But that's not emotional resilience. Emotional resilience is that you feel good about yourself when you did not finish the work. Yeah? Otherwise, there is no emotional resilience. You don't need resilience when you are finished. Then you are finished. Resilience you need on the way where you see that you did things wrong, things didn't work out the way you want, and then you need resilience. And the question is whether Torah does, how Torah gives that to a person. I want to feel good about myself, but I always feel bad about myself because I'm obligated. I don't really fulfill my obligations. And uh, when I'm sincere about myself, then I really see that this fulfilling the obligations is a very big, lofty task, which most probably I will not end it. I say most probably only to make you feel good. <laughs> and that's for sure I won't end it. There's no way to end that thing. It's a never-ending work. And now this this system itself, which makes you obligated in a never-ending work, should give you emotional resilience. You should feel good about yourself. Vigatos. How does it go? How can you dare to think like this? You could move away from your obligations and you say, okay, never mind, even though I don't do the things I'm obligated to do, I'm still Jewish. But that's not a resilience which stems from Torah. That's a resilience which stems from one part in the Torah. One part in the Torah says that even though you did things wrong, you are still a person which definitely is a part of the Jewish nation. But I don't see that this should be a, a, a source of real resilience which comes from Torah. I think the riddle is pretty clear and whenever you have children or you know children of your neighbors or you, you know other, other cousins or uh, great cousins, then you for sure have one of them which likes suffering from that. People are suffering from that, that they take these obligations of the Torah to an extent that they really in a constant way feel bad about themselves. Most probably you know such people. Even in North Miami Beach or even Miami, or it is, it is like an inevitable ingredient in Torah. It's inevitable. So this is the question which we are facing. Is it true that when you are taking Torah seriously, 
that you will feel bad about yourself and then you close your eyes and then it's a good feeling. Or it's only this feeling that you are once, in a, once a day or twice a day you are, you are having some uplifting experience and that is the source of your emotional world of Torah and the rest of the day is like feeling, uh, feeling uh, bad about yourself. No, there can't be. Okay? I think that is the question in a very poignant way. Because there is a big question going on. A big. And it's an educational question for all of us. We all have that problem, when you take your life seriously, we all have that problem that when I face Torah, then I face a system which I'm shortcoming. And now I have to feel good. Uh, it doesn't really work. So, so I want to explain that to you in a way that I think it will be afterwards even very practical for us how to work with what we speak tonight. Because emotional health is one of the cornerstones which we have to, we have to, um, we have to take the, the, this, we have to take that seriously and we have to try to educate our children that they or ourselves that we should be emotionally healthy. Huh? So emotional health, health doesn't stem from Orlando going to Disneyland. That's emotional craze. Emotional health doesn't, doesn't stem from some outlandish experience which your, your adrenaline is simply going up. That's not emotional health. That is also, in a certain way, an unhealthy approach to life. You have to be calm with yourself, happy with yourself, and then you are resilient and go further on. So first, we have to come to terms. What is meant in Torah when the Torah is all, gives you all these obligations? What is meant there? The meaning of Torah, which gives you all these obligations, is that Torah wants to build a human being. That is the only wisdom in the world which claims to have a system which builds a human being in an exact way. The only one. You may know that, I don't know whether you studied in university. I was once in university in Switzerland. And there were humanities and exact sciences. Those are the two, two sides which you have. And I don't know whether you hear really what you are saying. You say humanities, that means it has a human factor in it. And then you have an exact science. It sounds to me there is no human factor in it. Yeah? Because it doesn't matter where you are born or how you are raised. Differential equations you have to solve the same way in China and in America. And in South America and in South Africa. Makes no difference. This, it, it's all one thing. There's no, and there's no human factor involved. No culture involved, you know. I culturally don't connect with physics. There's no culture in that. Because culture and humanity, that's something fuzzy. Those are literature and history and all these things which you could interpret it like this and they interpret it like that. And there the human factor is an is a, is a, is a essential factor. Torah is the only, the only chokhmah, the only wisdom which says, 
Torah is exact and human. The only thing. In the Torah, these exact sciences and humanities are coming together. It's an exact science which builds up a human being. Huh? It's a big thing. That is the reason, only to make you a little bit of broader ex- uh, perspective, that is the reason that the Torah always relates to the world the way a human being is experiencing the world. The Torah never relates to the world in an objective way. That means the Torah definitely thinks that the sun is raising from one side and sets from the other side. That's the way Torah thinks. And when you come, when you were young, I remember I was once young, came home and told my father, I know that the fact that the, that the sun raises in the, in the east and sets in the west, this is an illusion, because it's not true, because the earth is rotating around itself. No, it's not an illusion. You can't call a thing which every single human being from Greenland till Falkland experiences in that way that the sun is raising in the east and sets in the west, that this is an illusion. No, it's not. It is simply the human way of seeing the sun. And that's what Torah is interested in. The Torah is not interested in physics. The Torah is not interested in this objective way of looking at the world which is disconnected from the human factor. This is absolutely uninteresting. Why not? It's an interesting thing. Ask the chemist. Ask the physicist. It's a very interesting thing. But it is not building a human being. It is not. Human beings won't be better when they will study physics. They won't. No. It doesn't develop your character. It does not. It develops your mathematical skills. It develops all different kinds of things. It doesn't develop your humanity. It does not. So Torah is not interested in that. Really not. Torah is interested in things which develop a human being. Okay? That's the first... That is the first, um, uh, the first take... And the first take, and that means that the Torah is, is, perhaps you heard that once, the Torah has like 613 uh, mitzvahs, which they are a parallel to the limbs and all the different parts of the human body. Because these 613, they have to build a human being. Now, a human being means a person which has a choice. The problem with emotions which go wrong is that the human being doesn't feel he has a choice anymore. He's like forced to be in rage. He's like forced to be, to react in an aggressive way. Or he is forced to resign. He feels that he can't really do anything anymore. There you need resilience. That is the case. You need emotional resilience, the way you put it. The emotional resilience comes in a place where you emotionally are caught in a singularity. You are caught in a singularity. I, the only way out of this situation, or my only response to the situation is that I am resigning. 
that I am just giving up. Or it's the only way that I become aggressive. And I will punch the guy. That is the only way. I, there is no other way in front of me. In, with other words, you lose your humanity. Because the human being is someone which is able to choose. You have two ways in front of you. There is not only one way, there are two ways. That is the essence of a human being. Yeah? And when you are caught in a situation where there is only one way in front of you, this is a dangerous situation because you are, um, you are taking your humanity away. You are taking your humanity away. There is only one way. And this is a thing which is very dangerous for a person. I know that we think today differently. We think the ideal situation would be when there would be only one way in front of everyone, you know, clear, uh, clear like the sun, you know, like the sun in Florida. I didn't see the sun these days, you know, it was a shaker. But like the sun in Florida, there's a clear sunshine, you know, absolutely without any questions, all enlightened and everything is clear, there's only one way to go. This is a big mistake, a big mistake. You can go further like this, but you will lose your human being. You lose your, the human being always has two ways in front of him. I don't know whether you learned once, part of you learned for sure, you learned once the, 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 the book or the safer, I don't know how to say it here, the, the book of uh, the path, the path of the just, I think, there he says, your, your work, which has to be done, is similar to a maze, or labyrinth, when you are European, you know, it's similar to a maze, yeah? and that means, that every single time you go further, there always are two ways in front of you, which both look the same, and you don't know where to go. And you have to make a decision where to go. This is real human being. The real human being is in a maze. And he is not on a straight path. No. He is in a maze. Which always, when you are in a maze, I don't know whether you walked through once, or on the back of the, of your, of the, of the newspaper you did it. So it's always that you, you really don't know where to go, you know? You just don't know, and you try out, and you think, where is the right way? And uh, you try it, and you... So that's what a human being is. That's the work of a human being. Always, by every single step, has two possibilities in front of him. That's the Messina Shishon. That's the path of the just, he says that. And he was a very, very religious man. Very. And he knew what the Torah wants. So he should obviously say, there's only one way to go. No, there are two. And they even both look the same. They both are likely to be productive, you know. I have to make a real choice. It's not the one is going to, over here to the beach or wherever you want, or to go to the base Medrash. And he says both are looking the same. I do not know, perhaps in Florida, going to the beach and going to the base Medrash that looks the same. But by me, it doesn't. It's not going on. They are, they are not. No, that's not a choice which the Messina Shishon speaks about. The choice is a subtle one. 
you have something to do and you just don't know. Perhaps I will approach it like this. Perhaps I will approach it like that. Perhaps I'll do this. Perhaps I'll do that. Both are productive. Both will, like, bring me further. But I don't know which one. And I have to make a choice. That is the situation a human being is in. When we are dealing with emotional stress, we have to know that the emotional stress stems from that, that we lost that, that possibility, that two ways are in front of us. We feel like in a straight jacket. We feel like in a place where we can't freely move. And that is emotionally very draining. And there you have to have a resilience, an emotional resilience. And the point is that the Torah wants that you should also in that disastrous place you are in, in that place where you feel you only can give up, you have to reveal that you still have two ways in front of you. That is the eager, the main work you have to do with yourself. I have two ways in front of me also when I feel like caught. <coughs> I feel like there is no further development. And I have to think deeply because the Torah wants that there are two ways in front of me. Okay? So that is the, the demand that we want to think about. We want to think about together how does the Torah make that, that you always, in every single situation, you have a place to work. You don't only have a place to react in one way. You have work in front of you, not only reacting to the situation. I have to work. I have to decide. That is the inner core of Torah, which the Torah wants you always to work. Never only react. You have to work. There is, there are more than one way to approach this issue. So, the mitzvahs which we have, they come unto us in a way which they call for tchira. They call for that. We, I, I don't know whether you, you, um, you thought once that I, when I, I, I felt that, that was one of the most, um, most um, happy, when I don't know, happy moments which I had when I thought about Torah, um, that whenever you build yourself without Torah, without those mitzvahs, then you build yourself in a way, you want to build yourself, you want to go further, then you have to do a thing which in America is very common, you have to set a goal and you want to reach there. And this is one of the most problematic issues, Shkoyach. The most problematic issues we, we, we have. We have to set the goal. Because, think one minute. Think one minute. I have to set a goal. That means I have to define now what I want when I will reach high up. But my glasses are distorted now. I really can't know what will be good for me three years down the road. I can't know that. I can't know how I will look like a person when I will develop. I can't know that. I can't restrain myself to some goal which I put in front of me 
five years ago. Why should that be intelligent? Why is it intelligent? I ask myself, why should that be an intelligent approach to your life? You are young, you are age 20, or over. even today people say, since I was a young child, I always wanted to be a, a Chvesos, Chiropraktiker, Begelmacher, or whatever you want. I always dreamt about that. Who signed you that your dreams really are fitting you? Did you get a signature from someone that that will fit you when you will be 30? Did you get that? Did you receive that from somewhere? I didn't. My dreams change, you know. I once dreamt to be a conductor from an orchestra. That's why I have a fractal today, you know. <laughs> so, 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 I dreamt to be a conductor from an orchestra. But things changed. I once dreamt to be a professor of mathematics, which is a very real dream because I studied mathematics, I was successful, and then that thing changed because my life changed. I can't keep up a dream which I had by the age of 19. I can't do that. What shall I do? No, I can't see that this is an intelligent way of building your life. What does the Torah do? The Torah says, I will tell you that you have to measure up with a thing which is just in front of your nose. I don't tell you you have to reach somewhere. You are now obligated to do something. But now, you have to take this obligation which is in front of you in a way that you are saying to, telling yourself, I choose to do that. Not I will succumb to the thing. I'll choose to do it. I'll choose to go and learn. I choose to have a prayer. I choose to put on tzitzis. This is a delicate way of building a person. I always have a choice. And when I'm caught in a place where I feel emotionally, an emotional singularity, which is only one way, I have to dig deeper and I have, that's what the Torah wants for me, I have to see that in that disastrous place, I also have a place to work that I can have this or that approach. I have different approaches. I have two ways. I have a possibility to choose. I could also, for example, davening. I have to go to daven. But I can daven quickly or slowly. That's, those are two ways which are in front of me. Yeah? I can do that in a that way or this way. I can do that in I can do I can do all the things which I'm obligated. There's not only one way to do it. I can do it in this or that way. Torah wants that. Torah doesn't want a person which throws away his humanity and he begins to be a computer which simply does what he's programmed for. No, the Torah doesn't want that. The Torah wants you to choose. But the Torah doesn't want you to choose some grandiose um, uh, goal which you are putting in front of yourself ten years down the road. You have to make a choice now. Now. At that moment. And the bigger you are, you see that this, this action of choice is going along with you all of your day. We, perhaps, are not so big and by us, our situations of choice, there are, there are um, several times a day. But I was 
um, seeing a person the way Rav Freiberg said it beforehand, I was together with, with my Rebbe for 23 years, learning one by one, and I saw the person had a choice every single, t- every single minute, you know, to choose whether he wants this to do this, or thinking like that, or thinking like this. It was always an active involvement in this. Never simply being obligated at doing with a bent-in head, you know, just do what you are obligated. You choose what to do. And there is something to do in every single situation. There is something to do. Happiness, that means emotional health, stems from that place that you have something to do. Emotional um, emotional, uh, sickness stems, stems from a place that you feel you don't have anything to do. You don't have any choice. That's emotional sickness. And Torah wants you to be emotionally healthy, that you are able to, to decide in every single place, to decide what is now in front of me, what does the Torah want from me, how do I that manifest, how do I, do I, how do I, do I um, fulfill, my, fulfill my mitzvah, how do I do that, how do I approach it. There's always something the Torah tells you to do. That is the thing which you feel, it stifles you. I have to tell you, it brings you the possibility that in every situation you are in, there is something to choose. There are two ways in front of you, every situation. There are always two ways in front of you. Even in very disastrous situations, this is the whole point, in very disastrous situations, when you are caught with a, with a tragedy which, which um, just today, that in, in, my, in Miami, I may say that, that's right, that, that, that someone came to me, wants to speak to me, but you all know that, that his son died suddenly in Eretz soil. I don't know the name of the man. No, the, now it's the Shloishim, that's right. I thought that's the, the, now it's the Shloishim. And he, 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 he came to me, he wants to, to speak to me. The whole point is that you have to open up this situation which is terrible, 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 terrible. It's the, the most terrible thing that you open, have to open up, you have to face the reality. You don't have to close your eyes because the Torah doesn't want that. You have to face the reality and you have to see that there is emotional singularity there. There's an emotional singularity that he only sees one thing. I don't know about him, how what he is now. He came to me, I didn't speak with him. Perhaps I'll speak with him before I go. But, uh, but uh, th- there's a big danger that you are only caught in one thing. I had the very same issue with someone in Eretz Yisrael which lost his son in a sinkhole. Yeah? Next to Netanya, the son with his hat and jacket, and he was an extreme good younger man, and he was standing there, and suddenly the earth gave way, and he fell in, and he died. That was without, 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 uh, without former, um, uh, nothing. He was a very good younger man. He was just married, uh, newly married, and he just fell into the earth. You know, that's it. And the father was crying. The father was, didn't, wasn't able to, to be, to, to, to settle down the whole Shiva. I didn't know the father. I did not know the father. And, um, but they told me you have to go to visit because he is 
in such distress, you have to go to speak to the person. So I didn't go by the Shiva because that's fruitless, because people are there. I went the day after Shiva, I, no- I knocked on the door, and then, then the, the, he opened the door and he saw some rabbi, I am younger than him, yeah, he's older than me, he saw some young guy sitting, uh, young, relatively young guy sitting the, uh, standing there, and he thought there is another rabbi which will tell me that everything is for good and you don't know and it's in the middle of the of the of the of the of the film, you know? You're in the middle and you don't know what was beforehand and afterwards and Gilgulim and all these things. The first thing I told him you are now in a place which will never be better. That doesn't go away. I the terror says it goes away, but in his son says it doesn't. It doesn't go. There's a hole in your life that will stay with you till the end of the day. Okay? You have now a hole in your life. And this is the biggest tragedy you have. You have a hole in your life. Your life is now has a hole in that inside. That's it. You can't, that doesn't close. Yeah? That's the Nisoyan. I know it's against what's Yankov Avinu with Yosef. I know that this is against that. But that's the reality. The reality is that that stays with the person. Okay? That stays with you. But you have to know, this hole is not only uh, workable with that that you are, you are giving up. And you say, it's a disaster. Why not? Because people are waiting for you, that people should hear from someone in a genuine way, how you can survive such a thing. People are waiting for you. We have to work that, not only for you, it's not only your own issue. There are tons of people which go through a similar issue, but someone which went himself through such a disastrous time and he is able to tell, to tell the people I walked further on and it didn't stop this is your work so what did I do? I simply showed him that there is a place to work in that situation not outside of the situation not that you forget about that close your eyes everything is for good Hashem only wanted that it should be the best place in Olam for your son, and that will be great. And then, no, 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 no. It is a disaster. You are in a disastrous place. But you, when you know that Torah always wants that you should work, you should work with the reality, then you are not afraid to look at the reality. No, the reality is there to look. To look at the reality. And I work with that reality. I don't deny it. I don't push it away. I work with that. He, afterwards, he, I, didn't, I, I don't go back, I spoke with him, and it was a good discussion. I don't think that he asked me to come again to speak with him. Later on, when his daughter-in-law gave birth to a boy, he called me, I want to know how to go to her, because I will cry, you know. I, mean, it's, it's, I have my grandchild, and the son isn't here, you know. So we spoke about that too, but, uh, but I don't think he spoke to me again. But afterwards, he told people that people told me afterwards. I didn't know that. People told me that, that he was visited from a lot of people. A lot. He comes from a very famous family in the, in the Torah world. A very famous family. And people came to the, in, in the, I don't know how many, came for the Shiva. And he said to, another, to other people, there were two people which gave him really the Choma. The one is someone which himself, Rachmanelik's son, happened such a thing and the other one was Leuchter the two people that's it no one else 
because everyone wanted to escape from the place. Everyone wanted that, in, in, in essence, you are in a place where you can't have resilience. It's impossible. Because it's such a tragedy, when you are focusing on the tragedy, you will die, or you'll be insane. That's what will be. So let's pl- explain that away. You know, that happens, you know. Let's explain that away, and you will be able to get up again. That's dangerous. You can't let that thing stay, and then from here you build yourself up, because this is a part of your life. He told me that a friend, ah, he had to speak to me again afterwards. A friend called him up and said, no, it will be okay. And the friend also went through that. And then he asked his friend, what do you do when Seder night comes and the place of your son is empty? What do you do then? And that reoccurs every single year. What do you do then? And then his friend was quiet and said, I have to admit, that's insolvable. So you can't simply explain away such a thing, you see. And then you have no resilience. Then you say, okay, I give up. When I focus on that, let's give up. Oh no. No. For sure. We won't give up. How do you not give up? Because it stays with me. For sure it stays with you. But you can't work with that. You can have a way that you deal with that and you have a choice that you are Mezake de Rabim, it is a Zikwe Rabim, it's a mitzvah, it's a Torah wants you to be Mezake Rabim, the Torah wants you that you should this and do that with that situation. And then you see, you have two ways, in, or more than one way. You could also give up. It's, it's legitimate that you cry. That's why I told him in the beginning. I don't come to you and tell you, you have now to be strong and smile because everything is for good. That's achzorius. I don't know, that is... I don't know what Achzorius means. That is like... What? No, cruel. It's cruel. It's cruel. It's cruel to the guy. No, I can't be cruel. But, But there is a way, because there is a way that you have to come to terms with that, that you are sad, Nachor. So you can't be sad. I give that a legitimation. But there is, in that way, that you are sad only? Only? No. Not only. You can do something with that. So I open him. Now it's not a singularity. There are two ways in that situation. And then the human being comes back. Then he is a human being again. Otherwise, he will be caught in a singularity, in a place where there's only one thing going on. Very dangerous. It's a very dangerous thing. So you have to, that is what the Torah wants. What? Uh, I'm finished. No, no, no. No, no, I see that. It's quarter to, till ten to nine. I'm not, no, I'm not. No, I'm, when you tell me you finish, I finish. Pah. Okay? Ah, no, you have to bring a cup of water with a piece of paper underneath. Where it says another five minutes. And then by the two minutes, you bring another piece of paper, another cup of water. Okay? So, so, and then, that's what I saw. That's what you do, no? You know? So, so, no, no. No, no, I will finish in time. I'll do that. So, 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 that is what Torah wants from us. And this is one of the biggest benefits we have. That the Torah always, in all the situations you are, the Torah has something to say. Has something for you to be obligated. Has something for you that you should be in that 
situation and working with that and not letting the situation overcome you in a way that you are only passively being exposed to that and that's it, has nothing to do. Torah doesn't want that. So to your surprise, Torah are obligations for sure, but the obligations are not given in that way that you simply have to succumb. The obligations are given in a way that you have to choose what to do. That's why you have to learn, and that's why you have to stay home. That's why you have to smile to your wife, and once in a while you have to go to the base medals. And once in a while is this, and you have to play with your children or grandchildren, and then once in a while you have to be harsh with them. You always have different ways of relating and fulfilling your duties, and there are always, there is always a two ways in front of you. That's what the human being is. So I think. This is a basic message you can take from Torah, which I think is the most healthy way to deal with your life. That always, in all the circumstances, there is always something to do. There is always something to choose. And you are never caught in a corner. Never ever. You always can do something. Okay? So that's what I think is very important for all of us. That's a part of your mental health a part of the mental health of our children, that we tell them that, we educate that to them to that, that they always can work with the situation and never only be exposed to a situation. And that's what Torah wants. And I think that makes us really into more resilient people. Okay? So that's what I think was the approaching the theme which our Freiburg posed in front of me. So hopefully that was interesting for you. And I think that uh, there is a lot what to think about. And, uh, and uh, I had, uh, thank you that you are listening to me. That was not so simple. And, uh, and hopefully that, that you enjoyed the thing and you perhaps you will do something with that. Atka.